Welcome to the Queen City Church Podcast. We're so excited that you decided to join us, and we wanted to personally welcome you. Thank you so much for listening in today. Our goal is that this message will encourage you and give you practical steps for a relationship with God that keep getting better and better. Enjoy the message. So today we're in week number two of our series that we're calling Detox. Detox. And here's the truth. After what we've all lived through over the past six months, uh, I think it's probably healthy for us to go through a detox. And here's what that means to us. Here's our working definition of what detox actually means. It's the removal of unhealthy, toxic substances and impurities for a period of time in order to improve health. So maybe over the last six months, there's been some unhealthy, toxic things that have gotten into our thoughts or maybe our emotions or our body. And so during that time, we're gonna take just a few weeks because a detox is not intended to last forever to really improve our health. In other words, what we're gonna do over the next few days and weeks is that we're gonna take some time to get the wrong things out and the right things in. And our theme verse for this series is 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse one from the message paraphrase, where it says this, let's make a clean break with everything that defiles or distracts us both within and without. In other words, let's all go through a detox. And let's make our entire lives fit and holy temples for the worship of God. I was thinking about this because this scripture says that we are the temple of God now. That God doesn't dwell in buildings, he dwells in us. But if you think about it, we still like will only, like we would never say things or do things in church. You know, we, and he said, no, 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 whatever that is, do it for you because you are the church now. And so we're going to take some time to make our entire lives fit in holy temples for the worship of God. And this series is designed to be very practical. So this is kind of the rhythm. We're going to talk about something on Sunday, and then we're going to take the next six days to practically walk it out where we're gonna go through a six-day detox on whatever we talk about on Sunday. And so last week, we talked about going through a mental detox, and we had some very practical steps. How many of you uh, just made a decision, man, all last week I was able to go through that mental detox for six days, let me just see if you did that. Okay, it's awesome, it's great. Some of you raise your hand, maybe you didn't. It's okay, grace. (laughs) And so so we we talked about what what, what would it look like For us, after everything we've experienced, to go through a mental detox. So today, if you're taking notes, please write this down. We're going to be talking about going through an emotional detox. Like, what does that look like? What would it look like for us to go through an emotional detox? So if our thoughts are all about what's in our head, our emotions, our feelings are all about what's in our heart. And in Proverbs chapter four, in verse 23, it says, guard your heart. Guard your heart above all else, for it determines, get this, the course of your life. In other words, guard and protect your heart, your emotions, your feelings, because those things affect how you experience every single day life. 
And so that, that's what that Proverbs chapter four, verse 23 says. So here's, here's my question for you today. How many of you, just by show of hands, a very safe place here in church, if you're watching online, please say something in the chat. If you're in the overflow, participate as well. How many of you, by show of hands, would consider yourself an emotional person? That's you. I am emotional. That's it. You can go ahead. Put your hands up way high. Just, just confess to everybody around you. I am an emotional person. How many of you just by show of hands, and I would kind of put myself in this category, I don't really consider myself. How many of you show of hands, you would say, I'm not really an emotional person. That's not who I am. Well, regardless of how you raise your hand, whether you consider yourself an emotional person, whether you consider yourself a non-emotional person, here's the truth. Let me break it down for you today in church. We are all emotional people. We're all emotional people, even those that are like, I'm not emotional. Yes, you are. You are an emotional person because that's how God made us. God wired us in such a way to be able to have emotions. In fact, we are made up of three parts. We are made up of spirit, soul, and body. And and our soul part of us, it has three different parts. It makes up our mind, our will, and our emotions. So what we think, what we want, and what we feel. God put that on the inside of us. We are all emotional people because that's how God made us. In fact, in Genesis chapter one, by the way, this isn't one of the 16, uh, but it says that we are made in the image of God, that you and I somehow, some way, I don't know how we lucked out, but that we are made in the image of God. And when you read this book cover to cover, Genesis to Revelation, you will find that God who made us, who were made in his image, you'll find a God who is an emotional being that has feelings. But here's what I understand. Maybe you grew up in a church where maybe it was like you were taught that emotions are wrong, or maybe you grew up in a home where you were taught that emotions, emotions equal bad. And emotions, they're not good, they're wrong, they're bad, it's a sign of weakness. You should never show emotion. You should kind of avoid them at all cost. Uh, you should, if you do feel them, you should just shake it off or ignore it or like drive it deep down and just make sure that you stop feeling emotion. But I want you to hear me loud and clear today, church. Emotions are not bad. Emotions are not wrong. So this message is not gonna be me standing up here for a few minutes saying emotions are bad, you shouldn't happen, you should be a spiritual robot and stop feeling emotions, just no matter what, emotions are wrong and bad. No, I'm thankful for my emotions. I just don't wanna be led by my emotions. Because I've discovered that our emotions are really bad leaders. And most of the time, they make awful decisions. So I don't want my emotions to lead me. I want to lead my emotions. Now, when I think about being led by my emotions, I think of Heather and I's former dog. The last dog that we owned was a dog named Stella. She was an English bulldog. Do we have a picture of Stella that we can share with everybody? That was our former dog. Uh, Oh, I love Stella so much. R.I.P., girl. And Stella, what was so cool about Stella is that you see her tongue is out uh, because it was like an indicator of how tired she was. The more tired that she got, the longer her tongue would stick out. And so it'd be like, oh, she needs a nap. Uh, And so Stella was awesome, a great dog. Now Stella was a a hefty young lady. It's a good way to put it. (laughs) 
and Stella had what some considered to have a breathing problem. Um, we would take her like for a walk or she'd get excited and she'd sound like this. Go ahead and play that video. That was Stella. She had a little bit of a breathing problem. Uh, she was amazing. Love Stella so much. Now, you're welcome. I came to church to hear from God, and that's what you show me. It's, we'll come around to it, okay? We're getting there. Um, now, we potty trained Stella on a leash. Uh, no, I'm sorry, without a leash. So she, she was awesome. So we would just open the, the door to our backyard. She would go out, fenced in, do her business, come back. It was great. She executed it so well. She learned it very young as a puppy. And that's how, so she never got trained on a leash, but sometimes we would make a decision to walk, to go on a walk around our neighborhood, and then we would have to use a leash. And here's the best way I can describe that experience. We would not walk Stella. Stella would walk us. And so, you, you know what I'm saying? Like, are you picturing it right now? This dog that happens to be very strong and very beefy and would just, just, it was so out of control. We were all over the place, like, come back. We had one of those leashes that kept coming and like, you knew like your shoulder was about to go out of socket whenever it was gonna catch. And so that was the experience with Stella. The entire walk, it was awful. It was such an awful, awkward, all over the place, do that. And that is the picture for years that God has given me for what it feels like on the inside when I'm led by my emotions. That is the picture that God spoke through an English bulldog named Stella to show me that's what it's like whenever me and you are led by emotions. We're all over the place. It feels like, it feels so uncomfortable. It feels like we're just being pulled all different directions that I have no desire to go. And here's the truth, church, is that the last six months, with everything that we've experienced individually as a society, with everything that's happened, living through some of the most weird days that I can ever like imagine or just think about that I've ever experienced, that is what life has looked like, I think, for so many of us being led by our emotions. And when I think about just my life over the past six months, I found that it's been so easy to be led by emotions, emotions like fear. It's been so easy to be led by fear. And I want you to hear this, fear is not wrong. Feeling fear is not wrong. In fact, the Bible even says that there's a healthy fear. In Proverbs chapter one, verse seven, it says, fear of the Lord is the foundation of true knowledge. In Psalm 111, verse 10, it says the same thing. Fear of the Lord is the foundation of true wisdom. And then in Proverbs 19, 23, it says, fear of the Lord, it actually leads to life. So when you hear this phrase, fear, and you read those in those verses, it doesn't mean like I'm terrified out of my mind. And I'm just so scared of God. Here's what it means. When you see that, it means to have the highest respect, the highest reverence, the highest honor for God. It's like I want our children to have a healthy fear of traffic. 
Like, it, like I, I do. I want them to have a healthy fear of traffic. I don't think, oh, no big deal. I have no fear. The Bible says I have no fear. I'm just going to run out into I-71. No big deal. No. I want them to have a healthy fear of traffic. I want you to know I have a healthy fear, a reverence, a respect for preaching. In James 3.1, it actually says that I'm going to be judged differently by how I communicate God's word. And so when I hear that, man, I take this so seriously. I don't ever just go through the motions because I know that this is a big deal. I should take this very seriously, the highest respect, reverence, and honor. And here's the thing, Jesus himself even felt fear. When he was praying in the garden before he would be arrested and eventually go to die on the cross to pay for our sins, listen to what it says in Matthew chapter 26, verse 37 and 38. It says, grief and anguish came over him. And even in Luke's account, it says that it overwhelmed him to the point where he was sweating like blood. And then it says in verse 38, and he said to them, this is Jesus talking, the sorrow in my heart is so great that it almost crushes me. It's like he's saying, I feel the weight of what I'm about to have to go through and part of me doesn't even wanna do it. But he's acknowledging those emotions. It's because feeling fear is not wrong. I just don't wanna be led by fear. Because when I'm led by health, because when I'm led by fear, healthy fear can turn into paralyzing fear. So a healthy fear of preaching can turn into a paralyzing fear of preaching. That a healthy fear of coronavirus, which is something that's very real, that's affecting not only our country, but affecting our world. And there's people that are really sick and are really being affected by this virus. But whenever fear leads the way, a healthy fear can turn into a paralyzing fear of coronavirus. See, when I'm led by fear, it can really lead and it can quickly warp into chronic worrying or maybe feeling overwhelmed and can even escalate into full-blown anxiety. It can feel like I'm on an emotional treadmill using all this energy and expending all this energy, but literally I look around and I'm going nowhere and I'm asking questions that I can't answer and I'm worrying about things that I can't control. And when I think about this, I think about this. This is, my, can I write this down? It's the definition of worry. Worry is assuming a responsibility that God never intended you to have. And that's what happens so often when we find ourselves with fear leading the way and it leads to things like worry where we start to assume a responsibility that God never intended us to have. And that's why Jesus says in Matthew chapter six, verse 27, can all your worries add a single moment to your life? And let me tell you the answer is no. And then in verse 34, he goes on and says, so don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Can I get a good, get a good amen for Monday? Today's trouble is enough for today. See, I'm convinced one of the best ways to destroy tomorrow is to worry about today. I'm convinced. But I found that it's so easy at times to be led by fear. And not only is it easy to be led by fear, it's been so easy to be led by anger. Anger. Now I want you to hear this. 
I'm passionate about this because of what I experienced as a child. Is that feeling anger is not wrong. There's a season in my life when I was a kid where I got deemed as somebody that had an anger problem. And so I went to uh, school counseling for it. And over and over and over again, I got beat in the head with this message that anger is wrong, anger is wrong, you shouldn't feel anger. And I'm telling you, that is not true. Feeling anger is not wrong. There's nowhere in the Bible that says that feeling anger is wrong. In fact, in Ephesians chapter four, verse 26, it says, in your anger, do not sin. It does not say that anger is a sin. It says, in your anger, do not sin. And in Psalm 4, 4, it says, don't sin by letting anger control you. It doesn't say, hey, get all that anger out. You don't need any anger. It says, don't let it control you. And even Jesus himself, he felt anger. And in Mark chapter three, we see one of these times where it says in verse one, another time, Jesus went to the synagogue and a man with a shriveled hand was there. Some of them were looking for a reason to accuse Jesus. So they watched him closely to see if he would heal him on the Sabbath. Because this was a day where he wasn't supposed to do that and the religious system says that's what you shouldn't do. So here's Jesus's response. He looked around at them in anger and deeply distressed at their stubborn hearts said to the man, stretch out your hand. He stretched it out and his hand was completely restored. Hear me church, feeling angry is not wrong. In fact, there should be some things that should make you feel angry. That when we see injustice in this world, we should feel anger. That when we see people who were created equally in the image of God, but yet don't have equality, that there's something inside of us that said, oh, that should fire us up. That when we see one person being treated one way and then somebody else being treated differently, simply because of things like the color of their skin or how much money they make or what zip code they live in or because of the family that they were born into. I'm telling you, that's not right. So being angry is not wrong, but what we do when we are angry can be wrong. And that's why I do not like Stella I don't want to be led by my anger because when I'm led by my anger, it can quickly escalate into hate and into rage, into resentment, into bitterness. It can really warp into apathy where I develop a really hard heart and I simply stop caring because if I care, it makes me angry and I don't want to feel angry, so I'll just stop caring. And it can turn really quick and warp into a bad temper that spills out on everybody around you. So you're angry with things, and so, but then you end up taking it out on everybody around you, like your family and your spouse and your kids, and you're short with your kids. And there's times that maybe even your roommates or your coworkers, maybe it even spills out onto your social media feed. Am I getting all up in your business right now? But it's so easy to let it lead the way and for those things to happen. It's where you're angry at something else, but when you let it lead the way, you end up taking it out on everybody else. And so that's why Ephesians chapter four says 31, and I believe it's talking about when we let it lead the way, 
It says, get rid of all bitterness and rage and that unhealthy, toxic, leading the way, anger and harsh words and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. And what I found is that the last few months and with everything happening in the world, it's been so easy to be led by anger. It's also been easy to be led by sadness. I don't know if you've experienced sadness over the past few months, but let me just tell you, feeling sad is not wrong. It's not bad. Jesus himself got sad. The shortest verse in all the Bible is Jesus' reaction after he lost somebody close to him where he powerfully says in John 11, verse 35, showing his full humanity, and he says, Jesus wept. Some of you, if you need a memory verse, you never, right there, boom. <laughs> Get that. Jesus wept, got it. But you see his emotion. You see his sadness in those two powerful words. So it's 100% okay and understandable to feel sad when you see everything that's happening and going on in the world right now, when you turn on the news or you open up social media and you start scrolling and you see some of the heartbreaking things that are happening right now, you should feel sad that when people get sick, when people die, when people get unexpected diagnosis, that it's, it's okay to feel sad that when people unexpectedly lose their job, which has happened so much over the past few months, or maybe people have taken huge financial hits or businesses have had to shut down. It's okay. You should feel sad that when there's been this massive toxic divide in our country, I think there's a side of us that should feel sad. So feeling sad is not wrong. I just don't want to be led by it. Because when I'm led by my sadness, it can lead to me isolating myself. Because I don't want to feel that. And so I isolate myself from everybody, end up being so lonely, so I don't get close to others. Maybe even when I let it lead the way, it can snowball into full-blown depression. Or it can warp when I let it lead the way into hopelessness. It's where you lose all hope. And I'm telling you, no hope is a dangerous thing. I just feel so strongly today that some of you need to have your hope restored today. That for some of you, maybe you've lost all hope in whatever. Maybe it's God. Maybe it's in people. Maybe you've lost it in government. Maybe you lost it in what this world could be. But I'm telling you, we have to not lose hope. That as long as we have breath in our lungs, as long as our heart is still beating, hope still exists. But there's times where we have no hope. And I'm telling you, it's a dangerous thing. In Proverbs chapter 13, in verse 12, it says this. It says, hope deferred, meaning you don't have any hope. It's been taken somewhere else. Hope deferred, it makes the heart sick. In other words, that no hope leads to a sick heart. But the truth is that when you know Jesus, that if you're here and you know Jesus, you have a relationship with Jesus, you've made the decision to give him your life, to make him your Lord and Savior. This is what it says that you have access to in Hebrews chapter 6, verse 19. It says, we, those that have Jesus, have this certain hope, like a strong, get this, unbreakable anchor, holding our souls 
which like I said earlier, it holds our emotions, which has our emotions, a strong, unbreakable anchor that holds our souls to God himself. And by the way, there are no other strong, unbreakable anchors. There are no substitutes to that strong, unbreakable anchor by the name of Jesus. That there's no other relationship that could be an anchor like that. That I'm telling you, if you're here and you're single and you think, if I could just get married, that everything, that is not an anchor that you can set in that will be that strong and that unbreakable. That if you're married in here and you haven't had kids and you're like, oh, we just can't wait to have kids. I'm telling you, they, they cannot fill that spot. That friendships can't. That the right job can't. That the right house and the right neighborhood can't. That the right car or all the possessions. That a beefy 401k won't even be able to do that. That followers and fame, nothing. There are no substitutes. The only strong, unbreakable anchor with that type of hope is found only in Jesus. Which means that whenever we feel like the psalmist does in Psalm chapter 42, in verse five, this, this, is, where, this is what he says. Listen to this. Why, why am I so discouraged? How many of you have felt that in the last six months? Why am I so discouraged? Why is my heart so sad that even when we feel that, even when we feel discouraged, even when we feel sad, we can even finish the verse just like he did where it says, I will put my hope in God. Even when I'm discouraged, even when I'm sad, even when I'm angry, even when I have fear, I have this hope that is like this anchor for my soul in God. I will put my hope in God. I'll say it again for the people in the back, for the people online, everywhere, for every person that's watching, I will say it again on repeat. Emotions are not bad. Emotions are not bad. Feeling fear and anger and sadness is not wrong. I just don't want to be led by them. But what do we do if we find ourselves in a place where that's the reality of where we're at? Maybe right now you're like, it's resonating so deeply in your soul because it's like you're describing my life. I have, that's, that's exactly, I am feeling like I am taking Stella on a walk in my emotions. Or maybe it resonates because, man, I've been there over the past six months. Maybe I'm not right now, but I, I feel like every, at any point it could change and kind of go back there. So what do we do? I invite you to join me over the next six days on an emotional detox. I'm not asking for a year. I'm not asking for a month. I know that there's a group of people that have made a decision, man, during this series, we're gonna fast and we're gonna do some things. I, that's awesome, but I'm asking for six days. I'm not even asking for a week. I'm asking for the next six days, go with us on an emotional detox. Join me on an emotional detox by doing three specific things. Here's number one, fast social media. For six days, some of you broke out in cold sweats right there. You're like, I don't know if I can do that. I don't know, Pastor Brian. Uh, I'm asking for six days. Turn it off. Delete it off your phone. Don't look for six days. Some of you are like, what does fast mean? Does that mean like go real fast? No, it means like cut it off. No social media. Because I don't know about you, 
but so many of my unhealthy emotions, where I've let emotions really take the lead, have come when I've spent so much time on my phone, constantly, numblessly scrolling through social media, because honestly, bored out of my mind, there was a few months there where we couldn't get out very much, and it's all we had. Church was on it, friendships were on it, like the, the FaceTimes were on it, and so I found myself just scrolling and scrolling and scrolling, and that's when I found myself being led by emotions. And I just want you to hear this loud and clear. I'm not anti-social media. I think it's awesome. I think it's a great tool. So I'm not here saying that it's bad, that it's evil, it's from the devil. Uh, I'm not saying that at all. Like, I, I think it's an amazing tool. But what I am saying is that I know that it's never been more toxic. It's never been more divisive or angry, depressing. And it's so easy to get sucked into all that. So I think it would be healthy for us to just put our phones down and get off social media for six days. That's what I'm asking you to do on this emotional detox. But there's a couple other things. Number two, be honest with someone. I encourage you over the next six days to be honest with someone about where you're at emotionally. Let me make that a little bit more specific. I want you to be honest with someone who loves Jesus. Because while it's true that we shouldn't be led by our feelings, hear this, it's important that we acknowledge them. They're from God. He, they are indicators. It is like the dashboard of your car. Something's going off. Don't, like, don't necessarily be led by it, but okay, it's telling me something. So tell somebody, hey, here's where I've been. Here's where I'm at right now. And there's this biblical principle all throughout the Bible that when you take something that's in the dark, and that's what my emotions often are, I don't tell anybody, and they're in the dark, and you put it into the light, there's this principle all throughout the Bible that you'll experience two things. A lot of times we think that's like rejection, or that we'll experience somebody like saying, oh my goodness, that's... <laughs> But it doesn't. The Bible says the exact opposite. You'll experience freedom and healing. And so I'm encouraging you to take, to find somebody that you can be honest about where you're at. And if you don't have somebody that you can be honest with, I cannot encourage you enough. Join one of our small groups. We just started them. So they're still awkward for everybody that's new. So like, just jump in. I'm telling you, like, here's what I know. You don't need another church service. You don't need just another something that takes up more time on your calendar. You don't need that. Here's what you need. You need somebody in your life that you can be honest with, that you can take the mask off and say, here's what's really going on inside. Here's what I'm really feeling. Here's what my emotions really are. Will you pray with me? Because I'm about to go crazy. You need some, because we're all there sometimes. You need somebody you can look in the eyes and be like, help me, I'm, I'm, I'm about to go crazy. I'm about to go crazy. Will you help me? Please help me. And that's why we do our groups. It's so that you can find somebody. That, you don't have to tell the whole group. You don't have to start like this and be like, hey, let me just tell everybody. Here's what's going on and just air those things out. It's like find one person in there 
that you can tell, here's what's really going on in my life. I really don't care what group you're in. I just care that that happens where you're honest with someone. And then number three, here's what I encourage you to do sometime this week is to also be honest with God. Is to be honest with God. Take some time this week to tell him how you're doing emotionally. Say, God, here's where I've been. Here's where I'm at. I'm not running from you. I'm running to you right now. And I wanna tell you what's really going on and be as unfiltered as you possibly can. If you're angry, be angry. If you're sad, be sad. If you're scared out of your mind, tell them you're scared. And be honest, I promise you he can handle it. You're not the first and you're not, and I promise you, you won't be the last. And some of you are like, can I talk to God that way? Can I really do that? Because maybe you grew up where it's like everybody taught King James whenever they talked to God and it was very like, yeah. You know, sometimes my prayers are like, God, just really? Really? And I'm telling you, you can be honest with God. Because what, do you not think that he can't know your thoughts? So might as well tell him. Because if not, we convince ourselves that our voice is somehow louder than our thoughts to God. But I'm telling you, I'm telling you, God can handle it. Because one, he wants a relationship with you so bad. And I'm telling you, every great relationship you have in your life, every close, every intimate, and that's what he wants with you. It's when you can talk to him about anything. But also, here's one of the most amazing things I can tell you. We tried over this message, keep pointing back to Jesus. 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 Okay, you know those things that you felt, Jesus felt it too. You know that Jesus felt that. Jesus felt that. And I've tried my best to kind of kind of show you a picture of that. Let me share one more scripture with you because I want you to get this fact that Jesus understands everything that you've possibly gone through, including every single emotion that you felt. In Hebrews chapter four, verse 15 and 16, it says, now that we know that we have Jesus. This great high priest with ready access to God. Oh, and like most priests, he's probably so disconnected from everything that's happening in the world. He probably doesn't even have a clue about this, but it says, because we have this access to God, let us not, uh, let's not let it slip through our fingers. We don't have a priest who is out of touch with our reality. He's been through weakness and testing. He's felt the emotion. He's experienced it all, all but the sin. So let's walk right up to him. Let's be as honest as we can and get what he is so ready to give. Take the mercy, accept the help. Wherever you are today, the good news of the gospel is that Jesus understands. And not only does he understand, church, he can help you. So I want you to bow your head and close your eyes. Just simply ask God right there, just in this moment, don't rush it, don't go through the motions, right here, will you just ask God, God, what are you saying to me? What are you speaking to me? Not to my neighbor, not to somebody else, but what are you saying directly to me? Maybe ask him this, what does my response need to be to this message? 
maybe it's just, I need to be honest with God. I need to tell him where I'm at. Maybe it's, I found myself led by my emotions. And maybe you're here and you're like, I, I think my response is gonna be that six day detox. That's what I need to do, I know it. Maybe let, let him speak to you. Don't do it because I tell you, do it because he tells you. Maybe it's like, you need this. Maybe God's like, yeah, that social media thing, that's, that's you. I'm not saying forever, six days. But maybe you're here and you've never accepted Jesus as the only strong, unbreakable anchor that has the hope that your soul is so desperate for. Maybe you've never given your life to him. Or maybe you have in the past and you've made that decision, but you've went off and you've done your own thing and now you feel that you are so far from Jesus. And today, maybe you find yourself in church and you just need a fresh start. Here's the great news, that can happen today. That can happen today. And we wanna give you that opportunity to make the most important decision of your life, to say yes to Jesus, to say yes to grace, to say yes to forgiveness. And we're not gonna point you out. We're not gonna make you come forward. We're not gonna embarrass you in any way. Here's what I wanna do, whether you're watching online, whether you're in an overflow, or whether you're in this room right now and you wanna make that decision, you know that God is speaking to you. I wanna lead you in a simple prayer. And this prayer will change everything. And if you wanna give your life to Jesus, if you wanna say yes to him, if you want to make the decision, whether it's for the first time or all over again, I'm gonna pray a prayer with you and I'm gonna ask you on the count of three, just as a sign for you to take a step and say, that's my decision. I'm gonna ask you to raise your hand straight up into the air, whichever room you're in. If you're watching online, there's gonna be a box that pops up in the chat that you can say, today, that's the decision I wanna make. So if that's you and you know, whether it's for the first time or all over again, I wanna give my life to Jesus that anchor that can be for my soul. If that's you on the count of three, one, two, three, just raise it up real high and say, that's me, that's me, I got you, I got you. That's awesome. Anybody else? I got you, I got you. That's amazing, amazing, amazing. I'm so proud of you. So proud of you. That's awesome. You can put your hands down and just pray something like this in your heart. Maybe if you raise your hand or maybe you didn't even raise your hand, just pray something like this. Just say, Jesus, I need you. I just don't want you, I need you, and I'm sorry if I've lived my life at any point without you. Will you come live inside me, and will you do what I can't do, and will you change me and make me brand new? I surrender my whole life to you, I give you everything, and today I choose to follow you. Thank you for being that anchor. Thank you for hope. Thank you, thank you, thank you for Jesus. And it's through the awesome, powerful name of Jesus that we pray and everybody said, amen. Thank you so much for joining us today. If this message has changed your perspective on God or life, feel free to email your story to info at queencitypeople.com. We'd love to celebrate the change happening in your life. We'd also love to pray for you. If you have any prayer requests, big or small, head over to queencitypeople.com slash prayer and fill out the form with as much detail as you'd like. For more information about Queen City Church's service times, location, or events, visit queencitypeople.com or follow us on social media platforms at Queen City People.